Today's scripture will be Acts 3, 1 through 12. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried up to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg. From those going into the temple courts, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, so, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went to the temple, <laughs> then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to the temple to the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Good morning, church. Good to be with you again this morning. Together around God's word, to be together just in a space where we're attending to what the Spirit is doing in our midst and attending to each other, even across this internet connection. You know, this morning you heard a story from Chase and Meg Harmon who after four years in a routine of ministry here in the Issaquah area were disrupted with a new call, with a new way of responding to the way God has been at work in their lives. And it's exciting to hear about. There are stories of those kinds of calls, disruptions, movements of the spirit in all through history and all in our lives today. And we've been doing this study in the book of Acts, which is exactly this an opportunity to look at the ways the Spirit of God intersected, came into community, and changed the course of events. So before we open the, the scripture, I invite you to pray with me, recognizing it's the Holy Spirit that makes his word alive. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the gift of your word, the gift of your ever-present spirit, the gift of community. In all of this, we invite your work to happen in our midst as we hear story, as we consider our own lives in your spirit. Do what only you can do, spirit, to make this alive in our hearts and minds. For the good of the kingdom and the glory of God, we pray. Amen. So we've been together in this fall in a series called Holy Disruptions, looking at events in the book of Acts from the early church as the spirit was on the move. And like I said, it's an opportunity for us to consider how's the spirit moving in our lives as well. Luke takes a, take a look at this whole process in, in his two gospel accounts, the book, the gospel of Luke, and then the book of Acts and gives us a picture of these unique challenges and opportunities that are before the people of God this first Christian community. They didn't have it all figured out any more than we do now. 
But for more than 2,000 years, people have been responding to the work of the Spirit and seeing where it, He takes us, shaping us, moving us. And today we read about a particular event. Greg read it for us out of the text in Acts chapter 3, a particular event that changed the direction for not just the man healed, but for the whole community. Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 is just part of a whole long narrative, and we're going to just be looking at a bit of it this morning. But before we do, let's let's look back a little bit, set it in context. After the events of Pentecost and Peter's powerful sermon to all the people of different language and ethnicities, we saw the church explode and over 3,000 people were added to their number that day. And then in Acts chapter 2, we read a summary of how that early community shaped their life together. This is from Acts 2, 42 and 43. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Wondrous things were happening, but also routine things that shaped their community. Because we hear in Acts 2 verse 46, some of the daily practices that became routine for this new Christian community. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Summary statements of what this community was doing together as they stayed in Jerusalem, giving witness to the name of Jesus. And Luke, the master storyteller that he is, now takes those summary statements and zeroes in on one particular incident, one of the many wondrous and signs that the apostles were doing. And so this morning, today, I'd like to invite you to enter into this story as well. It happens on a regular day when Peter or John are completing a routine journey to the temple for prayer. Daily practices, daily routines, and then God interrupts. So what are some of the daily routines and practices in your life? I tend to be a routine person. I get up in the morning and make my bed first thing. Um, a cup of coffee, sit in the same chair uh, for morning devotions. Maybe you two have routines in your day. A morning shower and then your cup of coffee or or maybe the other way around, coffee first. Maybe you get up and unload the dishwasher and then go to your tasks for the day. Or you have a routine of opening your phone and checking emails and then scrolling through, through Facebook for a little bit. Or if you're a student, in these days, your routine is logging on for another encounter with a teacher and your classmates. Or if you're parents, helping your kids do that. Even in this pandemic time, we have routines that shape our days, that shape our lives, and really help us to do what's important to us. It was no different than those early Christians. So we see Peter and John at three o'clock in the afternoon, going and doing something that is routine for them, entering the temple for a time of prayer. 
If you have your Bible with you or a Bible app on your phone, I invite you to open it to Acts chapter 3 as we enter this story more deeply. And you can follow along for the text that Luke's written for us. Three o'clock in the afternoon. It was one of the three times where most practicing Jews would go for prayer. And if they were in Jerusalem, of course, they'd go to the temple for prayer. Peter and John are just continuing in the court corporate practices that had shaped them in Judaism, in their uh, temple practice. And remember, they were located in Jerusalem. At the beginning of Acts, remember, it said that Jesus is calling them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Well, at this part of the story, we're still centered in Jerusalem, where they are beginning to give witness to the work of Jesus in their midst. And they head up the incline towards the temple, towards one of those gates that separated the outside world from the sacred space. And as they go, they pass by the people that were routinely there near the gate, asking for alms and support from those who were heading in for the afternoon prayer time. The text says that one of those beggars at the gate have been placed there every day. We learn later that this man, we don't ever hear his name, but this man was 40 years old. So we can imagine that for many years, his routine had been somewhat the same too, where friends or family members would take him to the gate, to the temple, so that he could be readily um, interacting with those who were coming in for prayer day after day entreating those entering the temple to support his needs. Now, this particular man probably had never been beyond those gates. According to the Levitical law, um, anybody with a disability was automatically excluded from the priesthood. Now, that didn't mean everyone couldn't come into the temple, but it was probably the case that his disability made it that he seldom, if ever, went inside the temple courts. He sat at the gate, outside. He was one of the outcasts, the marginalized. And often people just walked on by as they headed into their routines for prayer. But this routine encounter, afternoon prayer for Peter and John, begging and seeking alms for this man is suddenly going to be disrupted in a very powerful way. You know, it's easy to miss in a quick reading of this text some of the ways that it refers to seeing. And I want to just take a look at those, looking at some of these Greek words. Beginning in verse 3, it says this, The man saw Peter and John. The Greek word there is ido, which means to perceive with your senses, to notice. The man noticed them along with others who were walking by. And then it says that Peter and John looked straight at him. This is the Greek word atonizo, and it refers to an intense gaze, a focus on someone, um, looking in such a way that you're going to not miss anything, to fasten or fix your eyes on someone. 
And the man, perhaps because his eyes were downcast and he was probably seated, expecting and awaiting someone to just throw a coin his way. We hear in the text then that Peter says, look at us. Look at us. That is the word blepo. It actually means just to use the sight that you already have, the eyesight that you've been given, to use your power of seeing to look at us. So we see this progression from noticing to intent looking to inviting the man to return that gaze, to look at Peter and John directly. And so Peter gets his attention and the man turns towards him looks in another way. It's only then the man gives him their attention and Peter says something surprising to him. Suddenly, this routine encounter becomes anything but routine. Peter explains clearly to him, I don't have what you're expecting. Silver and gold I don't have. The man had expected to get something from them. In fact, he'd said, look at me. So he might have been expecting quite a gift. But Peter and John, through the Spirit's empowerment, offer so much more than silver or gold. They offer the name of Jesus Christ. That's what they had. And that's what they give to this man. The authority of Jesus, the victory of Jesus, the good news of restoration in Jesus. Jesus' name throughout the scriptures and especially in the book of Acts is always connected with the movement of the Spirit. We said earlier that the Holy Spirit is the main character in the book of Acts, but the Spirit is always moving to point people to the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is what happens in this encounter as well. A holy disruption leads to a miraculous turning point. And Peter, the story tells us, reaches out his hand. It's interesting that Luke is very specific here. Peter reaches out his right hand. Maybe you've heard the term, the right hand of fellowship. Something we use in the church is probably doesn't mean anything to anyone else, but it's a term because the right hand in the scriptures, in biblical um, uh, vernacular, continues to point to something insignificant. It, uh, the right hand says, uh, is a place of honor and authority. Extending the right hand is a public expression of approval, of inclusion. And by extending the right hand, Peter is not only staking his faith in the powerful work of healing that Jesus is going to do, but he's extending a hand of human connection, a hand of inclusion, of restoration into community. In a powerful book on the Holy Spirit, John Taylor says this, and I think it explains, refers so clearly to this encounter. In our openness to one another in Christ's name, the spirit possesses us. This means that his presence is not confined in an exclusive circle. Wherever the two or three, that would be Peter and John, together in Christ's name, open themselves to those who can not, 
who cannot yet name that name, the Spirit of God is between them also. The Spirit of God possesses us as we go out in his name, and then it becomes between us as it moves to interact with those who don't yet know the name of Jesus. This is what's happening in this encounter. And the man returns the grasp. He holds on to Peter's hand and something quickly changes. A healing takes place. Uh, Legs, ankles, feet that had not worked suddenly become strong. And if you'll notice, as we move on, the location changes too. We're not at the gate anymore. We're in the temple courts. Listen to verse 8 as it says this. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. What a dramatic change in this disruptive time. A routine journey for prayer, a routine habit of seeking alms, has suddenly been exploded by the work of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I expect that Peter and John, as they had looked in new ways, are never going to be the same themselves. Healing has taken place on so many levels. So that's the story. And, you know, there's a spiritual practice that we often do in reading the gospel accounts and here in Acts as well, where we place ourselves in the story. And that's what I want for us this morning. Where do you see yourself in this story? Perhaps you relate to Peter and John, engaging the routines of their faith and prayer on the way to doing what they normally would do, and the Spirit intervenes and invites them to look to really pay attention in ways they may not have done so before. Who are the people around them? Who are the people in daily routines in your place, in your community, who are sitting near the gates? Have you taken the time? Have we taken the time to really see those who are on the edges, edges of society, the edges of our community? You know, last week, Reverend Peter Sung provided examples of the way the early church let their light shine, as he said, in such a way that God received the glory and people were blessed. Well, this encounter at the gate was one of those light shining moments because Peter and John took the time to see and to respond. And as you think of yourself in the story, perhaps you wonder, is it, is it somebody that you encounter in your daily routines? Maybe the, the tired clerk at the store that helps you or, or the young person who isn't sure that they really matter to anyone. Maybe the one at the gate is someone that has been labeled or excluded because of their ethnicity, their gender their immigration status and what they need from us who call on the name of Jesus is this intent look to see their full worth 
and simply offer what we ourselves have received, the name, the power, the welcome of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you see yourself in the characters of Peter and John. Or maybe, maybe you identify with the man at the gate. You're aware of your need, your hopes for at least some charity from God, some way to connect to the community of faith. But you've been on the outside for a long time and you're not sure there's any other way to live. This is your routine. And yet you long for something from God, for something from others to just make it through another day. And then the spirit intervenes and offers you a whole new way of life. I think if we're honest, we at different times in our lives can connect with either of those characters. Those who are walking forth in their religious routines, daily practices, and God intervenes to show them something new. Or someone sitting at the gate. Times when we're in desperate need and we're longing for a hand extended to us to welcome us back into community, to be seen by someone, to be noticed and offered then the gift of grace that they've received from Jesus Christ. You know, it's telling in this story that Peter doesn't require this lame man to confirm his belief in Jesus before he is healed. Peter simply extends the hand offering the name of Jesus Christ and dignifying this man with his own choice. He can respond and grab hold or he can turn away. But by grabbing the hand and in the name of Jesus, everything is changed. We don't have to always wait for someone to speak the words or say the prayer. We meet them at the gate Jesus meets them at the gate and welcomes them into community, into a new way of life. So there are levels and layers of healing in this story revealed to us. A healing of sight where Peter and John are invited by the Spirit to see and speak of what they had experienced to offer it to someone else. A healing of body where someone who had been held back for so long, is suddenly strong and free, jumping, making a fool of himself because of what God has done. And then a healing of community where someone who's been on the outside is invited in, is incorporated into these witnesses of what Jesus is doing in their midst. All given, all those healings given in the name of Jesus through the power of the Spirit. You know, if we were able to go on and read the whole rest of chapter 3 and into chapter 4, which I would commend to you, Peter begins um, his explanation, his sermon to the crowd that comes amazed at this miraculous healing. He begins it this way, verse 12. Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man well walk. 
No, this is the holy work done in the name of Jesus. Peter, as he goes on to explain what who this Jesus is, doesn't want to draw attention to himself because there's no power in him, no godliness in him. It's in the name of Jesus that the Spirit does this work. You would hear read, if you go on in this text, about how this miraculous encounter at the gate continues to have an impact on this community. Peter's sermon, and then an interrogation and persecution by those temple power brokers that rush to this scene. And then Peter and John arrested, but able to give witness to even those leaders of the name of Jesus Christ and a commitment to say, we cannot stop speaking this name. Even if you tell us to stop speaking, we will continue because this is where God is at work. This is where the fellowship of the spirit continues. So that's the story. The encounter at the gate. Peter and John were just expecting to pray. And the beggar was just expecting to beg. But who knew? Who knew that this would be a day of power giving, power sharing, healing, restoration, all through the disruptive, holy work of the Spirit? As we close this morning, I just want to ask you a few questions to consider. As you look at the Spirit's work in your own life, First of all, are you open to the Spirit interrupting your routines? Are you willing to change the way you see? For Peter and John, in the routine of their life, even in their spiritual holy routines, the Spirit came through and shifted what they had expected to do that afternoon and moved in powerful ways. You know, the Spirit comes to us as we do what we do. Routines are good. They're normal. And the Spirit is not just coming in these spectacular, miraculous ways. The Spirit is always present. But as we attend, as we look to see and perceive as the Spirit directs us, we will be able to offer the gifts of God to those along the way to those on the margins, to those who might need simply to receive what we have received. Here's a second question. Are you willing to reach out your hand in faith? Maybe you're that person sitting at the gate. What might it look like for you to reach out whatever is holding you back right now? And to believe that God offers you more. To be restored in full healing, in health, in community, in joy in God. In each of these questions, we point to the healing power, the disruptive, holy, mysterious work of the Spirit into which we are invited to each and every day. As you consider what the Spirit is inviting you into this week, may you be open to enter the story in new ways, to know that God has invited you and I into this witnessing community 
to the power of Jesus Christ, and especially to those who are outside the gate. May we see, may we respond with faith, with trust, with power, because we do so in the Spirit. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, this is a powerful story. And we may be tempted to just lift it up as one of those miracles that happened way back then. Oh, Lord, remind us that your spirit is still at work, that you disrupt our seeing, our connection and community, the way we encountered those outside the gate. And you invite us to share the name of Jesus. We have no power, no godliness in ourselves, but through you, through the work of your spirit in our lives, may you help us to be witnesses to the welcome of Jesus Christ, to whomever we encounter this week. And may your kingdom grow and extend and glory be lifted to God. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.